0: Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tax Smart REI podcast. We've covered a lot of different stuff over the last few weeks around short-term rentals and what have you, but in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the forgotten tax benefits of real estate investing. Basically, just by investing in real estate, you're already way ahead of the pack and actually minimizing your taxes, perhaps not even knowing it. So that's what we we'll are be covering today, the true benefits of investing in real estate, the sustainable benefits. Before we dive into all of that today, we're going to be touching on up few updates from the TaxSmart Insiders community. So what has been going on? So over the last few weeks, we've released the point system for TaxSmart Insiders. And what the point system allows TaxSmart Insiders to do is to accumulate points for taking different actions within the Insiders community and basically unlock premium courses and boot camps that are previously only available for purchase. So really excited to get that out there. And we have some exciting courses and boot camps coming up in the near future so, if you're not already a Tax Smart Insider, you're going to want to go ahead and check those out. I also, want to just kind of recap some master classes that we've had recently and what is coming up. Last week, we had Trent Hawthorne of Rabu join us in the Tax Smart Insiders community for a master class covering key short term rental metrics that you need to know, including RevPan, RevPar, a lot of other good stuff, as well as a walkthrough of Rabu on how you can use that system to identify short term rentals that you might want to invest in. And this week, we have Bill Exeter, the godfather of the 1031 exchange, joining us for a master class on unraveling the mysteries of 1031 exchanges. And there will be a live Q&A segment. So you're not going to want to miss that. If you're not already a tax smart insider, you can start your free trial and get the short-term rental task course for free by visiting www.taxsmartinvestors.com slash free STR course. Again, that's www.taxsmartinvestors.com slash free STR course, and you'll get the STR course for free, as well as a trial to the insiders community where you can get access to the master classes that I just mentioned. Without further ado, we're going to dive right into today's episode. All right, so Brandon, I know over the last few weeks, we went through a lot of different short-term rental content. We had a few guests on to talk about the short-term rental market. What's kind of your feel for the short-term rental uh, space right now?
2: <laughs> uh, you know, so so back in 2020, uh, we wrote a 30 plus page ebook on qualifying as a real estate professional. And you can find that on our website. If you go to realestatecpa.com and click on resources, we wrote that because there was just a lot of misinformation about real estate professional status being pushed out there through that process. We learned that short-term rentals are accepted from section 469, as long as the average period of customer used to seven days or less. And so, as part of that ebook, we included a section on short-term rentals. We looked at the two Bailey cases and and then put something out. And then we put podcasts out on it. and we started talking about it. And then not not to say that we like started this because <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I feel like that's like very egotistical to say. I, I know the Bradford Tax Institute and I think it was the tax advisor. They had a couple articles on this out there previously but i I've, I've never really seen the short-term rental like you know quote unquote loophole marketed as heavily as it is until, until we put all that content out. Right. So, um anyway, i i just think that the short-term rental loophole is great. It really is. It's an amazing way for people to buy real estate and immediately utilize tax losses. Against their W2 income, because you don't have to qualify as a real estate professional. You don't have to spend more time in real estate than you do anywhere else. So, because you don't have that limitation, you can just buy short term rentals, run them like a business. As long as you materially participate, you can cost segregate it, bonus depreciate it, use the tax losses to offset W2 income. The problem is it's just overblown. <laughs> I mean, if you go on TikTok, right, you got like hundreds of gurus. They all look like they're 22 years old and uh, and they're just like they're literally just regurgitating our podcast. And it's concerning because there's just there's no consideration for the actual underlying economics of the deal. And so what happens is when you have all these people just regurgitate something that they don't fully understand and they don't fully understand how material participation works, what hours count and don't count, how to defend yourself in an audit then one, you subject all these people to undue risk, but two, they're letting the tax tail wag the dog. So all these people that watch these TikToks that have never heard of this before, that don't listen to our stuff, they go out there and they buy these short-term rentals and they they sink. Like if you go on Facebook right now, there's a lot of these Airbnb groups. And if you go and you start poking around, you will find there are a lot of people complaining that their short-term rentals are not being booked right now. So they bought in the last two years, and all of a sudden, their short-term rentals are no longer being booked. So when they first listed them on Airbnb and VRBO, they get the initial boost that the algorithm gives you to show your short-term rental you know, in front of everybody. But then after that, it drops off, right? And the problem is they overpaid uh, for the property. They are paying a very high interest rate. Yeah, they got the tax benefit. That's what got them all excited about this. But now they're realizing, crap, I have to run a business. And this is hard. Running running a short-term rental business is not for the faint of heart. I have a short-term rental. And, uh, and I feel like I can say that. In 2021 and 2022, it was extremely easy to rent my short-term rental fully. 2023, I had to work a little bit more. And what I'm learning is 2023 is a more normalized look and feel. And so now I'm sitting here going, man, I'm going to have to work a little bit every single year to get this short-term rental booked out. Now, it's still a great return on investment, but it wouldn't be a great return on investment. First off, if I bought it today, the same property, if I bought it today, it would not be a good ROI. So I'm I'm lucky, I guess, in the timing that I bought this thing, but it's work. And I was explaining on our last podcast that if I could bunch all of the time into like a Friday afternoon, I would buy 10 more of these things, but I can't do that. That's not how running a hospitality business works. You have to be ready to answer your cell phone at 1030 at night. And that's not very fun or exciting. So I, I just think that people watch these TikToks, they they get these brilliant tax ideas, right? And they go and they get all excited about buying a short-term rental and they go, you know what? I can overpay for it because I'm gonna get this big tax benefit. And man, that's just terrible. That's just a terrible, it's terrible advice. It's terrible position to put yourself in. And I, I wish people would stop promoting this Without having all the facts and without really understanding how to talk about it, right? I mean, we talk about the benefits, but we also talk about all the risks and we talk about all the work that you're gonna have to do. And when you look on these like 60 second YouTube shorts and stuff like that, there's this big guy on Instagram that does these reels all the time. And he's just like, here's how W2 owners can get a hundred thousand dollar tax savings today. And then he, like, you know, in 30 seconds, the video's done. And it's like, geez, dude, that's, Yeah, you're going to have 30,000 people watch that video. 200 of them are going to take action. 15 of them are actually going to buy something. And then two years later, they're going to be up the creek without a paddle because they overpaid for a short-term rental just for this little tax benefit that, frankly, you don't even understand how to talk about it. You don't even understand the ins and the outs of it. And it's crazy. It's crazy, man. But the reason that this is happening, it's very easy to sell $100,000 in tax savings. Right. If I say $100,000 in tax savings, everybody's ears perk up, everybody, because everybody hates paying taxes. I don't care how pro or, you know, you are paying taxes or whatever. I get it, right? Some people are like, I love paying taxes because I get all these services. Great. Still, when somebody says, hey, I can save you $100,000 in taxes, people's ears perk up. It's very easy to sell this type of strategy. It's also very easy to pull the wool over people's eyes.
0: Yeah.
2: And uh When we found this strategy back in 2020 and then also saw that it wasn't really being talked about, we were like, Hey, we should, we should talk about this. We should bring this to the landlord community at large. And we did. And then we started saying, but here are all the risks. (laughs) Here's how hard it is to actually do. And then I went and bought a short-term rental because I was like, I want to see if what we're saying is true in terms of how hard it is and the risks, and then talk about that too. So I've talked about my experience and we've had a lot of people on talking about their experiences too. And this isn't to say that you can't crush it in short-term rentals. You absolutely can. But I think that the people that absolutely crush it in short-term rentals, they're running an actual business. They're not doing it part-time, right? Like I am probably personally leaving 20 to 30% on the table at my short-term rental because I'm not prioritizing it. Like I'm still doing it. It's still getting a good ROI, but I'm not maximizing it. And so there are people that are crushing it that will show you their numbers and talk about how amazing it is. But the reality is, is that they are running it like a business. They're treating it like a business. And that's very hard to do, especially if you have a full-time job, especially if you have a spouse and especially if you have kids, like that's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. It's like, you know, yeah, I'd buy 10 more of these things in theory, but not if it takes me away from, you know, Saturdays and Sundays with my kids and this short-term rental has every once in a while. You know, And so don't get me wrong, the tax benefit's amazing, but I don't think that the cons are talked about enough. And I think that there are a lot of people who have no idea what they're talking about when they're promoting this stuff. I mean, you can just go on Instagram, go on TikTok, go on Twitter, and just look at what people are talking about. Then come listen to our stuff, and you'll probably realize they're just taking it from our stuff, and they're just regurgitating it. And they really have no clue what they're talking about. And that's just very dangerous, I think. But they get a ton of reach. For what it's worth, they are great marketers. They get a ton of reach. But like I said, everybody loves to hear about how to save $100,000 in taxes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So short-term rentals uh, definitely can help you save taxes. But like Brandon just mentioned, it's work. It's a business. It's a job. It takes your time and energy. So if you're going to be entering into a market like that, you have to understand That you're getting yourself into an active business, it's not going to be passive. And I know a lot of people out there want it to be passive. They want to try to minimize the amount of work that it takes. And it's just, it's not as easy as it may sound on those 30 second TikTok clips.
2: It becomes the primary driver for people, right? You get some FOMO. Like right now, if you listened to one of those Instagrams or TikToks right now, and this was the first time that you heard about it, what are you going to feel? You're going to go, crap, I have to get this done by the end of the year, right? So now you're putting this. Unneeded pressure on yourself to buy a short term rental by the end of 2023. So you've got what four months to do that, September, October, November, yeah, four months to do that. And you're going to, as a result, make emotional purchasing decisions, which is going to lead to suboptimal performance, investment performance, all because you have this feeling of missing out on this tax benefit. And that is the most. Disturbing piece to this entire trend. You know, you you should not be, you're going to be the person that's buying in the bad location, that's buying the suboptimal STR that people don't want to rent. And you're going to be the one that ends up on that Facebook group asking, why is my short term rental not renting? I mean, and I'm not saying like you, listener, you, because you listen to our podcast. So you know not to do this, but there's so many people out there. Like, seriously, go look at those Facebook groups. It's insane. How many people are basically just buying these short-term rentals for tax benefits and then later realizing, I'm not going to make any money on this deal? And it's
0: not sustainable. It's not sustainable for them. And the same thing with the real estate professional status, which we've talked about here on the show. Before the short-term rental loophole was popularized, people would do anything to achieve the real estate professional status. And we know, if you've been listening to this show, that obtaining the real estate professional status isn't a cakewalk either. You'd be spending more than half your total working time in real estate. And for a lot of people, if you have a full-time job, that's just not... Obtainable. But like Brennan said, we get it. Look, you get your tax return, you look at the amount of money you're making, you look at the amount of tax you're paying, and it could be jarring sometimes. You'd be like, Wow, that's crazy, right? And so when you hear about these strategies like the real estate professional status or the short-term rental loophole and how it can help you reduce those taxes, it is enticing, it is compelling, it is tempting. But you know, I just read this book recently called The uh, Richer, Wiser, Happier. Phenomenal book about uh, actually goes through FOMO and how how you have to know your principles, your investment strategy, and you have to stick to it. And you have to have the courage to stick through it, despite the fact that the herd or that other people out there might be doing something different than what you're doing. If it doesn't fit into your investment strategy, then don't do it. So if the short-term rental strategy isn't for you, you want to be a passive investor, you want to take a more passive role, or you don't want to be so active, then who cares that it's saving all these other people money if it's not something that aligns with your your objectives, right? So just something to keep in mind. And uh, I think that's where we're going to be diving to in today's episode, really the true benefits that are often forgotten about real estate that anybody could achieve, whether you're active or passive. So really exciting. And
2: before we do, I just, I don't actually know that we've ever really explored what I'm about to say. So this will be interesting. I'll be curious for your take. And if you're listening to this, by the way, I invite you to be part of the conversation. By joining our tax smart investors Facebook groups. That's facebook.com slash groups slash tax investors. Go in there and start up this conversation with us. Like, I find all this fascinating. And this, again, it's not to say the short term rental loophole is not amazing. It is. And I don't want anybody to listen to this and get discouraged, especially if you like go on social media and you get involved in like the tax community. You'll see a lot of accountants negatively talking about the short term rental loophole, but it's because we all know that these gurus are picking it all up and they're they're pushing information out that they don't fully understand. So it's not that the loophole and, and that this tax strategy, and I use the word loophole lightly, but that this tax strategy is not amazing. It is great for those that can pull it off, but we want you to be very pragmatic in your investment approach, right? We want you to be careful in the decisions that you're making. But if anybody's quantitative listening to this, hopefully you know most of you are, I want to kind of go over something really interesting here. So what Tom was just talking about was real estate professional status, right? Everybody's always like, oh, man, I got to be a real estate professional. I got to work really hard. I got to do all this extra stuff to be a real estate professional. It's, again, that FOMO. It's this egotistical fear of missing out. That's what's going on. But let's put some numbers to it. So if you save $100,000 by qualifying as a real estate professional, so we're not talking about short-term rentals. We're talking about real estate professional status, $100,000 in actual tax savings meaning that the you know tax loss that you're able to claim was maybe 300k or so $100,000 divided by 750 hours where did i get that that's one of the quantitative tests for real estate professional status right 750 hours and more time in real estate than anywhere else $100,000 divided by 750 hours is $133 an hour okay which is pretty good right that's pretty good but if you make $266,000 a year, you are earning $133 an hour at your day job, okay? So 2,000 hours, that's full-time day job, times $133 is $266,000. So if you earn $266,000 at your day job, you are making $133 an hour. The point that I'm going to drive home is if you are making less than $266,000 a year then qualifying as a real estate professional or finding figuring out how to qualify as a real estate professional can be very valuable for you because you have a positive variance right you're making less than $133 an hour at your day job so figuring out how to make your time more valuable ie by qualifying as a real estate professional is good however even in that case you probably wouldn't have $100,000 of taxes to save anyway but what I really want to drive home is for all of our high income earners out there that are listening to this podcast, because we get people that are earning $500,000 to a million to $2 million a year listening to this and they hate taxes. If you're making like a million dollars a year, your hourly wage is like $500 an hour, right? So you're trying to figure out how to reduce taxes, which is a $133 an hour value to you but at your regular job or your business, you're making $500 an hour. Now, me personally, as a business owner, that's not something that I'm willing to do because I don't want to trade down my time. I want to trade up my time. So if I'm a business owner making $500 an hour every single day for 2,000 hours a year, I'm making a million bucks. I want to figure out how to make $1,000 an hour, not how to make $133 an hour. All right. Now, sure. Yes. There's a lot of caveats. To this, your spouse could be involved and all this other stuff. You could be running a real estate business as your main job. I get it. But what I'm trying to say is there are a lot of high income earners out there who spend a ton of time trying to make this thing work. And the point that I'm trying to drive home is that it could be, if you are a high income earner, it could be a very low value task for you. Ironically, even though it feels good. To save that much in taxes, it could actually be a low value task if you have the ability to earn more per hour than $133 an hour. So just think about think about that quantitative benchmark. I hope that that helps kind of uh, visualize it in the future.
0: That makes a ton of sense and a very interesting take on it. I mean, I think it kind of aligns with that return on hassle concept or don't let the tax tail wag the dog. You know, I've seen people go crazy over planning over little strategies like the Augusta rule. How can I rent out my house spending hours of research? How can I rent out my house so I could deduct $2,000? Because you know what? I want to take every deduction that I'm entitled to, right? But meanwhile, if you were have spent that time going and making more money, it would have been better off to your point, you would have been a higher hourly rate, it would have been the highest and best use of your time or a better use of your time and figuring out how to save two grand on taxes, or figuring out to save 100 grand on taxes. So very interesting concepts there.
2: Also, the people now that you're talking about it, yeah, it's like the people that are in California, and they want to move to Florida, or people that want to move to Puerto Rico. It's like, dude, the point of making a lot of money is to provide you with freedom. I think Alex Ramosi talks a little bit about this. Yeah. The point of making a lot of money is to provide you with choice, freedom of choice, not to be locked in to like reducing my taxes. You know, it's just it's such an interesting concept to think about. It's like, yeah, if, if you're crushing it, wh- why move? Like the point the point is to crush it and live the awesome rich life that you want to live in the awesome place that that you want to live in. You know, I I understand that's a very complex decision that we just boiled down into very simple terms, but as it pertains to this conversation, it's just, it's just interesting. I know, I know that, again, there's a lot of pragmatic people that listen to this podcast and I very much appreciate you, but you, you should see some of the conversations we have on a daily basis with people. (laughs) It's just like, like, why are we doing this? Just go and spend 20 hours a week trying to figure out how to earn a million dollars a year. (laughs) It's like, you've got the skills and the network and all the stuff. You can do it. We're focused on saving 5,000 bucks in taxes. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, just not worth it. So, again, like before we move into this next segment, just to recap, like look, if the short term rental loophole works for you, fits into your investment strategy. And it works great. Same thing, with the real estate professional status. If your facts and circumstances align, um, you should absolutely be taking advantage of those strategies. But if you're going to be stretching it, if you're going to be changing your lifestyle and chasing after it, may not be the best option for you. So just something to think about. But really, what we wanted to go through today is you know the forgotten tax benefits of real estate, the benefits that you know really anybody could have, whether you're on the active side of the business or the passive side. And uh, there's a few of them and they're big. If it, to me these are the sustainable benefits of investing in real estate. If you do this over the long term, you're going to win in my opinion. So, you know, the first one is you're going to be able to generate tax advantaged income via cash flow thanks to depreciation, right? We so we all know that with the short term of the loophole or the real estate professional size, you can use those losses from depreciation primarily to offset these other forms of income like we've been talking about. But The reality is on the way to doing that, it's actually sheltering your rental income from tax, which is tremendous, tremendous.
2: Yeah. And and as a personal example, so we bought, um, I I went in and partnered on a 20 unit deal and we cost seg bit and the tax loss that my wife and I received was like 250K, something along that or 200K. I don't know. And that was all suspended because neither my wife or myself are real estate professionals. So, I've got this big tax loss sitting on my books now, but I have my other rentals, including my short term rental, that generate positive cash flow. Well, I estimate that I've got at least like five or so years of cash flow that I can receive without paying tax on, thanks to this tax loss that's sitting on my books. So, real estate in and of itself, the depreciation that real estate spits off does shelter cash flow, but you can even kind of game the system a little bit for your overall portfolio and your overall investment strategy. And you can really benefit, even though I'm not like sitting here claiming tax losses against my business income, I'm still creating an income stream that I'm not paying tax on for a number of years. And of course, at some point, since I use that tax loss, I will have depreciation recapture that I'll have to pay. My plan is just to continue to 1031 exchange throughout my life and continuously kick that can down the road. God willing. So real estate is still an amazing asset class for investing and for tax benefits, even when you're not running the short-term rental loophole or qualifying as a real estate professional.
0: Right, right. And you know, this works well if you're investing in syndicates and funds. So even if you don't own rental properties directly, if you do this in syndicates and funds, you're still taking advantage of the depreciation. You're still sheltering your rental income or the passive income generated by these syndications from tax throughout the life of the deal. And like Brandon said, when you sell, there's ways to mitigate it, 1031 exchanges and all this good stuff. We'll get into I think we'll touch on that a little bit more. But so what you want to do is you want to look at it like this. You want to take your earned income, the earned income you're generating, and you want to pour it into the passive sources or these tax advantage sources like rental real estate like these other passive activities that you can maybe invest in right and that's how you're going to eventually lower your effective tax rate so to give you an example of what this might look like because when you lower your effective tax rate you're effectively lowering your taxes if you really think about it at least relative to the income that you're earning all right so have a little fancy calculator out here right now let's just say you're making three hundred fifty thousand dollars. you you're married filing joint you're making 350k for the year right your effective tax rate, and you live in New York just for the sake of this example, um, your effective tax rate will be 28.77%, all right? And you're going to pay around $100,000 in taxes, okay? But let's just say you make $50,000, you're able to pour some of this money into these passive buckets, and you're able to make $50,000 of income, okay? And you're able to shelter it with real estate, but with uh, depreciation and not pay tax on it, at least today, right? Now you're going to have $400,000 of income, but you're still going to be paying the same tax rate, right? Right? So we're going to go ahead and see what your effective tax rate would be here. So again, you're still paying the same hundred thousand dollars of taxes and now you have four hundred thousand dollars in income and now your effective tax rate drops to 25 percent, right? To take it a step further, let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars added to that. So now you're at 450, but you're still paying the same hundred thousand dollars in taxes, right What's your effective tax rate then? your effective tax rate is going to be 22.2 percent. So as your passive income that's sheltered by depreciation basically, As your passive income grows relative to your earned income, your effective tax rate is decreasing and you're effectively paying less in taxes. And as that bucket grows, your effective tax rate is going to get lower and lower and lower. And hopefully at some point you might be able to just say, hey, I don't want to earn as much from my earned income sources. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's for you. Maybe you're a fat fire or maybe you're a fire uh, believer. Not me, but that's that's nothing wrong with that right? And um, you could basically reduce your effective tax rate to zero at some point, uh, just with passive sources without using reps, without using the short-term rental loophole. So that's like the first major benefit to take away is that you could build tax advantage, tax-sheltered income simply by investing in real estate and doing it passively. So,
2: And as, as your portfolio grows and if rates decrease in the future, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, when rates decrease in the future. And I don't know. I'm I follow a few real estate analysts and I'm not smart enough to predict rates, but I just don't believe hope is a strategy. <laughs> so for me it's more of like if rates decrease in the future, you can always cash out refinance. You can cash your equity out with a new loan and you can take that equity and buy a new property, right? So like for the last, you know, uh, 2013 to 2021ish we had a lot of clients that were doing this. So they would buy a property. Prices were accelerating so fast that they could do it. And rates were so low that they could continuously just cash out the equity via new loans. And they would use that equity that they cashed out to expand their portfolio. So my point is, is that real estate is normally a very long game. It's you know acquire one property a year for 10, 20, 30 years. For most people, I know there's tons, we, we service these business owners. I call them business owners that you know buy 10, 15, 20 of these a month or they buy 30, 40 50, 100 unit apartment complexes. those guys are in a different ballpark, right For most of us, it's let's buy one or two properties a year for 10 to 20 years and at the end of this time horizon we'll have a very large portfolio that will be spitting off cash. some of that properties will be paid off' uh, we'll be you know we'll have a lot of flexibility. but in low rate environments and when prices are increasing as rapidly as they were over the last 10 years, You can really accelerate that. You can go from buying one a year to three or four a year, and you can realize your wealth building goals a lot faster simply by cashing out the equity. And why am I mentioning this? Well, for two reasons. One, because I think it's a really cool strategy to accelerate wealth. I don't know how much that's actually going to play going forward with the rates being as high as they are the other reason I mentioned this is the Burr strategy, buy, rehab, refinance, rent, repeat, whatever it is. Um, that's like one of the best, most tax advantageous strategies out there that doesn't get any love from tax community because it's a boring tax strategy. But the reality is, is that when you pull that equity out of the property, you're not paying tax on it. It's not a taxable event. Getting a new loan is not a taxable event. So I can cash equity out of my property, not pay tax on it, which means that I can retain the full value of that equity and roll it into the next property. It just gives me a lot more purchasing power as I build my portfolio.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Another big piece of owning real estate. And look, as you're looking at this over the long term, your property is likely going to appreciate. And this is one way to tap into the equity, make sure you're getting a return on your, it's actually called return on equity, making sure the equity is not sitting idle on the property and you're continuing to build your wealth, right? So look at it over the long term, zoom out, look over the long term, you're building tax advantaged income, you're able to tap into the equity to continue to build your portfolio. And then it comes eventually, you're gonna have to exit, right? At some point, you're gonna have to exit one way or another. Okay, you're exiting, there's no no one gets out of this, this life alive. I'm sorry. Sorry to break people's hearts out here. So hey, what's
2: your what's your t- I, I've never asked you this before. But what's your take on return on equity?
0: My take on is it? That,
2: is that something that people should be monitoring on an annual basis?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you should be looking at how much because here's the thing, everybody focusing on this. Now we're getting to the, the gritty here. People are getting some interesting conversations here. So people focus on cash, cash on cash, right? Cash on cash is the amount of income you're generating relative to the amount of cash you invested. And that's all well and good. But the thing is, between principal pay down, so when you're paying down your loan, um, every you're chipping with that principal, and market appreciation, whether it's just natural market appreciation, or you force appreciation through rehabbing your property, you're increasing your equity. So now you have equity that's sitting in a property and it might be sitting idle, right? And what I mean by idle is you might have a 100 grand of equity in your property that's not earning a return. So your return, your cash on cash might actually be going up because your rents might be going up greater than your expenses. So you might be actually increasing your cash on cash return as it relates to your original cash investment, but your return on equity is probably going down. So you wanna optimize your return on equity. The way you could optimize your return on equity is you can either sell your property, right? There's nothing wrong with selling a property, cashing in and moving on to the next one, hopefully via 1031 exchange or some other tax advantage strategy, or you can do a cash out refinance like Brandon was talking about and basically tap into the equity and put that equity to work for you. Hmm. So it's if you want to optimize your wealth, you really want to look at it, you have to look at return equity, something you should probably be looking at on an annual basis and make that decision. Should I be looking to move off of this property, perhaps sell it, or should I be perhaps looking at a strategic cash out refinance uh, to take that equity and go reinvest it into another investment, presumably a rental property, but perhaps you have other opportunities, uh, whatever the case is.
2: First of all, I agree. I think that looking at your return on equity on an ongoing basis is really important because for me, it's just constantly optimizing the investable cash that we have. But I mentioned it one time, on uh i think it was on twitter and i got flamed for it (laughs) i got like called like a rookie and stuff like this and uh this is like a while ago it's like probably a year ago but um ever since then i've always asked people whenever they mention return on equity i'm like hey what do you think about return on equity because for me it's it's very logical yeah but you know i also recognize i'm i'm a cpa i'm not a cfp like you are and i'm not a cfa and those people are super super smart when it comes to finance but anyway, it's just good good to hear that you have a similar view. But yeah, I, I was shocked because I I was like, people don't look at this. I thought that this was a thing. they were like really smart people, like being like, no, this is it's a bad metric. So I don't know. I I didn't understand it. But now I always ask about it.
0: But, you know, you know what it is? And I was going to save this for later on in the show, this little bit. But I want to throw this in here. A lot of times people look at the short term. Everybody, everybody in life, a lot of people in life are very short term thinking oriented. It's just human nature, right? Humans aren't naturally meant to think long term because your survival is about right now. You can't be 80 years old if you can't survive the moment. So that's how humans are hardwired. Um, and so everybody's looking at the short term, and uh, that's why uh, strategies like short-term rental loophole are so hot. Because right now you could save a hundred grand, right? It doesn't matter that if you just invest in rental properties and build your portfolio, property by property, year by year, like you were saying before, that you'll eventually be wealthy over the long term. That's too big of a time horizon. And I get it. I used to be like that, especially if you're younger. Especially if you're younger, there's a lot of angst to get rich quick, right? And like I said before, I recently read this book, Richer, Wiser, Happier. Phenomenal book. If you're into investing, you should go maybe consider picking it up. And basically it's about how can you invest sustainably over the long haul, right? And that is what it's about. And you'll find that these older people, people who've more experience to get to their, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s realize this. They realize this. So how can you take that wisdom and apply it to you today? Well, it's what we just talked about here. And the problem is like everybody wants that sugar. They want that dopamine hit of the instant tax savings, but the point of the matter is You're looking at how can you build wealth over the long term, and you do it by doing sustainable investment strategies. And what we're talking about here is the ability, if you just invest in real estate, it's a sustainable way to build wealth, even if you can't use these other strategies. So now, like we were talking about before, everybody says, okay, well, if you're using depreciation to shelter your rental income, well, eventually when you sell, you're going to have to face depreciation or recapture taxes. Well, first of all, you don't always have to sell. You might be able to tap into your property via what we're just talking about, cash out refinance. But if you do have to sell, there are some strategies that can help you sell in a tax advantage way. The first one, the most popular one, or at least uh, the historically most popular one, the 1031 exchange. Basically, you sell your property, use the sales proceeds to buy another property, and you defer the taxes later on uh, until some later point. Now, if you sell that new property, that replacement property that you bought, right, you might have to pay the taxes eventually, right? but you can keep 1031 exchanging over and over and over again Throughout your life, continue to build a very massive portfolio. It's easier said than done, but it's very, people do it. It's not a pipe dream. People actually do this. And then when you pass away, you can pass it on to your heirs at a stepped up basis, basically eliminating the capital gains that you would have paid throughout your lifetime. And there's all types of fancy stuff with trust if you're really up there in, in high net worth. But in a nutshell, it's kind of how uh, most people are going to be able to take advantage of this and really pay no tax on their properties. If you follow that 1031 and then stepped up basis. And then there's other strategies like the lazy 1031 exchange and 721 exchanges, which we talked about a week or two ago here on the show, but there's ways to exit real estate in a tax advantage way. So again, over the long haul, real estate is a great way to build sustainable long-term wealth.
2: Yeah. And every once in a while we see people say like, yeah, but like a 1031 exchanging forever and ever is not viable. Something along those lines, you know, it's just like, yeah, like all that sounds great, but like, it's just not going to happen. It's not realistic, but we have clients that are kind of towards the end of their investing journey. And that's exactly what they've done over decades. So it is totally realistic. Like once you put money into real estate, you don't have to take it out in a taxable exchange. Like If you need to take money out, you can refinance, like we were kind of saying. Uh, So a lot of people will do this 1031 exchange, or they will run a lazy man's 1031 exchange, like Tom was just kind of talking about, where you just sell the property and in the same calendar year, you buy the new property and cost segregate it and bonus depreciate it. Uh, it's effectively the same thing as a 1031 exchange without all the hurdles, although it does get a little tricky because it has to be in the same calendar year. But great way to kick the can down the road and never really have to pay taxes on the appreciation that is built into that property.
0: Yeah, no, it's phenomenal. Real estate's really a phenomenal asset class. If you look at the long term stuff. And you just take your eye off of short-term rentals for a second. You take your eyes off the real estate professional status. You can realize that over the long term, it can really be a really good tool to build tax-efficient wealth over the long haul. So having said that, if you are looking to put together a tax plan, you are looking to see how you can minimize taxes, you want to see which strategies make the most sense for you, your goals, what you have going on in your life, your lifestyle. Um, we are taking on clients. We are happy to help. So we do tax planning day in and day out. A lot of clients helped a lot of clients save a lot of money. And more importantly, in some cases, prevent them from making critical mistakes or investing in the wrong assets for them. So if you're interested in learning more about how that works, we'd love to learn more about your situation, see how we can help. You could do so by going to www.therealestatecpa.com. There's a big get started button. On that page, and that will help you with next steps. So, uh, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tax Smart REI podcast. We'll be back next week with a special guest talking about the five freedoms of life. And that kind of ties a little bit into this episode. So, we're super excited about that. We'll catch you next week.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients. And with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at realestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.